This evening we, um, we have a great honor of being able to appoint or ordain, whichever words you choose to use, but we have the honor of appointing three men that we have been able to watch over several years now and see their growth in Christ and be able to see that they are, um, they are worthy candidates, not because they're sinless, not because they do everything perfect, but because they are mature Christian men who have demonstrated their growth and their maturity in the faith. And so we're thankful tonight that we get to appoint them and to ordain them in the service of the ministry of deacon. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what that, uh, what that means tonight. The Bible teaches, if you see your notes, the Bible teaches only two ongoing offices in the church, namely elders and deacons. Now, there are other gifts and there are other ministries in the church, yes, but as far as the two ongoing offices of the church, no longer priests and, uh, and, and no longer do we have a high priest and things like that, Jesus is our high priest. But in the church, we still have two offices that continued on in the New Testament church, and that again is elders and deacons. And so if you were to look, for instance, at Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, we see a passage of Scripture where Paul is addressing the church, and yet he starts out and he's writing to the saints that are in the church, but then he says also to the elders and the deacons. And so there are some letters that Paul writes to where he just addresses the saints as including everyone in the church. And then there are some letters to where he actually addresses uh, the saints and the elders and the deacons being the two leading offices in the church. And so if you were to also look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, you would see that as far as uh, the Bible teaching us about qualifications of ministries in the church or offices in the church, we see only two spoken of there as well, the office of elders or uh, some places it's translated bishop or um, pastor or shepherd, all meaning the same thing. But then you have the office of deacon as well. And so we're going to look at both of those just very quickly tonight. But first off, elders were the, were, they were the overseers of the church. Their job was to look after the spiritual growth, the well-being of, of the spiritual growth of the church. Um, in Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 17, listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and he called who? The elders, right? Alright, so he's talking to the elders of the church, right? And it says here that he called the elders of the church to come to him. Now skip over with me to verse 27 through 32 of the same chapter. And he tells these elders that I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So he taught them everything he could know. And then he tells the elders this. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so there again we see elders, and elders are overseers of the flock of God to which the Holy Spirit had made them overseers. And so there are flocks that, for instance, Brother David is over. There are flocks that I am over. There are flocks that um, Pastor... Um, Tony at First Baptist is over, Pastor Anthony at Solid Rock, but the point being is that elders oversee, and they care for the church of God, and that word care also can be translated shepherd, or they pastor, they guide, they direct, they care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so one of the things that we see in that, again, is that elders are 
pastors. Elders are overseers. Uh, some places it is translated as bishops. And then notice what he says to these elders. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And he's talking about they're going to be teaching doctrines and teaching false truths that are, have, have um, uh, the potential to tear apart the flock and to tear apart people's uh, faith, if you will. And so the elder, the overseer, the pastor, their job was to oversee the spiritual guidance of the church, to protect it, to make sure that what was being taught was accurate, that what they were being fed as a flock, if you will, was good food. All right? And then it says... And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And then in verse 31, Therefore, elders, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish every one of you with tears. And then now I, command you, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, right here, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The point being is that that scripture teaches us that elder, bishop, pastor, whatever you want to call it, they are all the same office and their job is to lead in the spiritual oversight of the church. Um, another scripture we see that in is 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Y'all forgive us, we ain't got Mr. Nathan up there with us tonight, so... Nathan's down here with us. 1 Peter chapter 5. There it is. All right. So I exhort thee, who are we talking to here? Elders. Among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And here's what he exhorts the elders to do. Shepherd. Elder's job is they shepherd, they pastor, all right? So you have it all in the same context here. Elders shepherd the flock of God that is among you, what? exercising what? Oversight. Again, looking after the spiritual needs of the church. Not under compulsion, not because it's something that you have to do, but instead you do it willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So again, all I'm showing you is that in these verses, whether you're talking about elder, bishop, pastor, no matter what you're talking about, they all are the same office, and the job is to serve as oversight over the spiritual needs of the congregation. Now, in that same, um, in that same area, we have another office of deacons. And the first time we see deacons is in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 6. And one of the things that you're going to see is that the church was growing in number. It was increasing. And it was becoming very difficult for the elders to just concentrate on the spiritual oversight of the church. To just concentrate on, well, you're going to see here in a minute, on prayer and on uh, studying the Word so that they can feed the flock and make sure the flock is growing in truth and growing in grace. And so in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, we see it says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, and these were Greek-speaking Jews, and so they were Jews that had been scattered from Jerusalem into parts of Greece, and they had begun to speak um, Greek language. But when the church formed, they came back together, and these widows were taken in by the church here to care for them and to provide for them. And so it says here that these 
uh, Hellenists, these Greek-speaking widows, and a, a complaint arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now likely we know that in this day and time that they were expecting Jesus to come just any time, okay? And so one of the things they did because they expected Him to truly return any day was that they sold all their possessions, many of them, and they had all things in common. And so also these were widows, and we know from the Apostle Paul that the church had a responsibility of caring for widows and orphans. This was true and undefiled religion, as James said. And so one of the things that we see here is that the church was supposed to be taking care of these widows. But in this daily distribution of likely food that was being uh, distributed throughout the church, these widows were being neglected. And rightfully so, they should have been complaining because it was something the church was supposed to do. But the apostles had to step up, and notice what it says. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. In other words, we have a responsibility of the spiritual oversight of the church, of making sure that the flock is getting fed, that their spiritual needs are cared for. And so ultimately, we need some help with other servants of the church that are able to take care of some of the things that would hinder us from being able to do that. In this particular context, it was serving these tables of the daily distribution, a physical need of the congregation. And so it says, therefore, here's the solution. Brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And that makes sense when you understand their role, correct? And what they said pleased the whole gathering. Now I want you to also notice something else. Deacons in this context were peacemakers. Deacons in this context, because a problem arose in the church that had the possibility of causing disunity, and unity was such an important part of the church, the deacons in this role, their responsibility was to rise up to address this physical problem in the church so that the whole gathering would be pleased with the legitimate complaint that has been raised. Is everybody tracking with me? Alright, notice what he says next. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and they chose Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, uh, Timon, uh, parent, I, I'm, I'm killing these, so don't, don't go repeat this, all right? <clears throat> Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And then finally in verse 6, These they set before the apostles, and notice what they did. They prayed and they laid hands on them, and then they sent them to their work. And I want you to notice what happens when elders are able to do their responsibility, and when deacons take care of the other responsibilities that would cause disunity or that would hinder the elders from being able to take care of the flock the way that they should, look what is the result of it in verse 7. And the Word of God did what? Because it's not being hindered. The Word of God continued to increase. And not only that, as the Word of God continued to increase, the disciples also multiplied greatly in this area. So the truth of the matter is, when elders are doing their job, and they're doing a good job, when deacons are doing their job, 
and they're doing a good job, these two things should be the result of it. Amen? And so notice what happened. And a great many of the priests even became obedient to the faith. The Word of God just spread. And it was because deacons understood their role, elders understood their role. See, we've got it twisted a lot here, in, in, especially in the Baptist faith. Deacons think they're elders. Come on. And I need you to understand something. I'm not demeaning deacons. I'm not saying they are less than elders. They are equal to elders. However, equal does not mean same. And so elders have a role and deacons have a role. And when both of those guys understand their roles and they operate in those roles to the best of the ability that God provides, we are to see some great things happen. And so that's what I want you to be able to see tonight. Also, I want you to understand that this um, biblical deacon is a mature Christian. He's full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Notice they didn't just go out and select anybody. So I don't want you to think that this uh, ministry of deacon is a, is a menial task or an insignificant ministry of any kind. No, they weren't looking for just anybody to fill this role. They were looking for people that were mature in their faith, that were full of the Holy Spirit, that were wise in being able to solve problems and being able to deal with disagreements and things in the church and serve the physical needs of the congregation. All right? And so, as you well know, there are many needs that arise in the church among the people and many of these needs require attention and time and legitimate needs just like this was, but it may not necessarily concern a spiritual oversight. And in that case, that's where a deacon needs to understand, this would be my role. This would be where we step up. This would be where we serve. So that it doesn't hinder the increase of the Word of God. It doesn't increase the prayer time with the elders and their ability to be able to nurture the flock with the Word of God. And so tonight what we get to do is we get to see at least three things that the deacons see make sure happens. The first thing is this. If faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of Christ, then elders have to be able to concentrate on prayer and study, making sure that they are feeding the flock good, healthy food, right? And so as a result of that, deacons make sure that happens. When these deacons recognize that um, uh, the elder is trying... Because let me just get on elders for a minute here. Sometimes elders, we can think we're deacons. And I'm not saying an elder can't serve physical needs, but if that's taking the place of you being able to take care of the spiritual needs of the congregation, we got things twisted. Y'all understand? And so deacons make sure that the Word of God continues to increase in the church by helping to take that burden off of the pastors or the elders. Deacons also meet the physical needs in the life of the church. And so if there is a physical need in the life of the church, the deacons are looking out for that. The deacons are watching this flock, watching this congregation, and they want to know when, um, if, if, for instance, I know Andrew's going to be a deacon. Let me take John for a minute. John's financially struggling. John's got some, he ain't, he, he's not able to, to work a job or whatever the case may be. They're watching John. They know he's got laid off from a job or they know that he's got this situation, a trial going in his life. I'm looking after him spiritually. They're looking after him physically. And we're making sure that the flock of God is cared for in every way. And so that's another thing the deacons do. Deacons guard and encourage the unity of the church. 
Deacons make sure that when they see various problems arise, if there is a way that they can step in and be able to help with that, not necessarily just stepping in over the spiritual oversight of it, but if there's a way, like in this instance, serving tables, taking care of things that need to be taken care of physically, they happily step up and they're the first ones to step in and take care of that. They're not sitting back waiting on somebody else to do this. Deacons are to be the first one up. When it comes to serve something, no matter what it is, they are to be the first one to step up. The truth of the matter is, we are to be the last in line. The troops eat first. Amen? We are to be the ones that's always making sure that we're looking out for the needs of others first. Because is that not what Christ did for us? When feet needed to be washed, who was the first one to get there? Jesus was. And so we need to make sure that we're the same way with the congregation, with the flock of God. And so that is something that we need to keep in mind. Ordination tonight. The Bible in, uh, teaches us that to ordain means to appoint to a service or to set someone in a place. And so one of the places that we see this, or several places we see it, is in Acts chapter 7, verse 10. I didn't give her none of these scriptures. I just gave you the handout where you can look them up for yourself later. But ultimately we see that Joseph was actually set as a ruler in Egypt, by, he was ordained, he was appointed to be a ruler in Egypt. Another place we see that is in the parable that Jesus told of, of a steward that was appointed or ordained to oversee his master's household until he came back. And so again, appointed to a particular service. Another place we see it, we just saw it in Acts chapter 6. Uh, pick ye out from among you seven men of good report to appoint to this business, to this duty. And then we also see it in Titus chapter 1 verse 5 as he ordained or appointed elders in every city that they went to. And so ordination is just simply that we, are a, we, have, we have monitored you, we have selected you from the church, and we have decided that the Holy Spirit has called you to take care of this service, of this duty, a very important service and duty of the church. If unity is going to be maintained, if the people's physical needs are going to be met, if the Word of God is going to increase and spread, then you have a very important role. And so those are just a few places to where we see that. And all of these were ordained and appointed to these services. And tonight, again, we get to appoint you to these services. And so we don't have much guidance when it comes to what a ceremony like this would look like. Um, there, we, we know from past traditions what one would typically look like. But the truth of the matter is, the only guidance we really have in this is, is who we're looking for, uh, the qualifications they should meet, the laying on of hands, the praying for them. But there are at least three things that we see in the Bible that happens as far as an ordination service goes. And here are the three of them. First is this. The Holy Spirit led the church to select the ones for the service. That's the first thing we see. How did that happen? Well, number two. The church and the leaders fasted, prayed, and worshipped concerning this ministry. Look with me at Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 2. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, and these were their names. Now I go to verse 2. <clears throat> While they were worshiping the Lord, so all of the leaders in the church got together. They are worshiping the Lord. They are fasting. The, and the Holy Spirit says to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so what we see in there is that 
we have a responsibility as a church to seek the Lord in worship as we're looking for people to fill the role of elder or of deacon or really of any ministry, just to be honest with you. We have this obligation to seek the Lord. And this is the reason why we came to you sometime back as the church. And we ask you to pick out from among you these men. And you selected these guys. Um, there was a whole list, but these were the ones that came out with the most votes as far as who should, come, who should um, um, be in this service. And so what we see in this is that this is where the church selects these. The Holy Spirit leads us to these. The, the leaders and the church fast, praise, worships concerning this ministry. And then the third thing happens is this. The other ordained leaders in the church laid hands on them, prayed for them, and sent them out to do their service. Look at Acts chapter 13 verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, what they do? They laid hands on them and they sent them off. Now this moves us into the next part of this. Paul tells us in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he told Timothy to stir up or fan into flame the gift. Now Timothy was an elder. The gift that was in you through what? The laying on of my hands. Now I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I really understand how this takes place. <laughs> I can't see a lot of things that spiritually happen. But I do believe, and I think I'm right in interpreting this way, when other ordained leaders that God has called for these ministries gather around and they lay hands and they pray over these, there is something that God does. There is some kind of gift that is, and again, I'm not some charismatic, um, um, crazy preacher. <laughs> Maybe I am, but not as, not, not as bad as you think, all right? But still, there is something, there is something that happens. And here's what I do know. The Bible tells me to do it. And as a result of that, I do what I'm told to do, and God does what He does, all right? And that's what we're going to be doing here in just a few moments. I'll, I'll tell you this. I can't explain it. Several years ago, probably nine, ten years ago, maybe more than that, there was a young man that I had took under my wing and I was trying to nurture him, I was trying to care for him, I was trying to, to, to really help him grow in the faith and in the ministry. And he came up to this altar right over there and he knelt down and he prayed. I came up behind him one Sunday morning and I laid hands on that young man because of this scripture right here. And I asked God, this all, I, did, I may have been wrong, right, I don't know, but I asked God, I said, God, would you give him a double portion of my spirit? thinking of Elijah and Elisha, of course. I can tell you today, and there are people in here that can witness to it and testify to it. That young man today is walking the same path in ministry that I used to do long before I was a pastor. He goes to all the places that I went, the, all the places that would have called me to come and lead singing and, and to have uh, preached and done this. He is the guy now. And can I just say to you, the last few times I've heard him, he's got a double portion of what I have. And so, again, I don't understand spiritually exactly how this happens or what takes place, but I do know that I have seen enough evidence to know that the Bible also warns us because of that in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Look what Paul told Timothy here about appointing elders and deacons here. Do not be hasty in what? 
In other words, there's something more to this than we understand, right? And so he says here, don't just lay hands on hastily. You need to take your time. You need to really think about who it is that you're appointing and ordaining to particular ministries and services. And so that's exactly what we have done. We have set these guys under a time of watch care to where we observed them and we saw the, the walk that they walked and the faith that they displayed both here in the church and outside the church, in their families, with their jobs. And so again, we have seen them to meet the qualifications of, of being appointed and ordained as a deacon. And so in that same manner, again... In Acts chapter 13, verse 3, I believe it was, I want you to remember that the Bible told us that when they had fasted and prayed and when they had decided that these are the ones that the Holy Spirit is selecting, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off to do the work. And so in an ordination service, I just simply want you to understand we are not some super spiritual guys. We're just Christians trying to follow the Lord. We are Christians trying to do exactly what God would have us to do and just be pleasing to Him. We just want to follow His word by faith and trust that as long as we follow Him and as long as we do what He's called us to do, He does the rest. He provides the increase. He is the one that we are serving and it's all to Him. It's nothing of us. And so this, this evening I want to ask if Daniel and Andrew and Nathan would come forward and just stand right here for a few minutes. And then as they come, I'd like to ask any ordained man in the congregation, if you are an ordained elder or deacon, I would like to ask that you, that you come forward. And um, I want to pray over these men. And we are just going to lay hands on them, and we're going to trust, as I just said, that God is going to do something here because the Holy Spirit is the one that has said set apart these guys for this work. We trust Him. We have done that. And now we are fasting and praying and we are going to lay our hands on these guys and we are going to set them apart for this service that God has called them to. So if y'all would, come around and lay hands on them. Let's pray for them, please. And y'all can pray as I pray. I'm just going to pray out loud and y'all just pray over them if you would. Father, once again, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that you use people like us. Father, as Paul said, we are the, the chiefest of sinners, and Lord, I'm sure all of us feel that way. But Lord, I thank you, God, that because of your mercy, because of your grace, Lord, you have saved us, Father. Lord, you have called us into serving you, and Father, we are so grateful to be able to do this, Father. Lord, I know these guys don't do it out of compulsion. Father, they do it willingly. Father, they look forward to serving you in this ministry of deacons. Father, I pray today that as we lay hands on them, Father, I pray that you would gift them, God. Lord, that you would gift them to, uh, to be um, full of the Holy Spirit, to be wise, to be able to, um, uh, Lord, to be problem solvers, to be peacemakers. Father, I pray, God, that they would be able to, um, uh, to serve the physical needs of this congregation, Father, so that they are nurtured in that manner. Father, I pray, God, that they would be able to help me and the, the fellow elder that you will soon call along my side. Father, I pray, God, that they would be able to help us to, to spiritually oversee this flock. Father, I pray that your word would increase. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, disciples would multiply and that they would grow in faith, Father, as a result of what these young men do. 
And Father, again, I just thank you, God, that you have called them to this service. And God, I don't know what's happening spiritually right now that I can't see. But Father, I believe with all my heart that you have done something in them, that you have instilled a gift in them to serve you, God. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for using people like us. Father, I ask you, send them out, give them what they need to do your work. And Father, I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all, if y'all would just go ahead and stay, the rest of the men can go sit down, but if Nathan and Daniel and Andrew would stay up for just a minute. And I just want to say, guys, I'm honored. I'm honored to serve with you. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we've been serving together for a long time. <laughs> but I'm honored that you have officially accepted this ministry and that you, um, uh, you know, I ask you to do this. Outserve everybody. Don't let nobody serve more than you, all right? <clears throat> Fagan, if you would, go ahead and, um, and present them with their certificates today, and then we'll close it out. Um, no, I think Tara's got them right here. Yeah. Did I give you enough time? Okay. Guys, that's more than a certificate. That's just a, that's just a piece of paper that says that God has done something special in your life and He's called you to something special. So I hope you understand that there's something that took place spiritually tonight that is so much more significant than anything we can see and understand. I'm going to close tonight with these two promises and I speak directly to y'all three tonight. There are two promises that Paul gives Timothy concerning um, deacons and them serving well as deacons. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter verse 13 look at what it says for those who serve as deacons gain a good standing for themselves in other words you achieve an elevated platform not because you asked for it no you're not trying to attain that the truth of the matter is you're putting yourself on the bottom platform but when you serve well as a deacon the church gives you an elevated platform and you are held in high regard. Why? Because they see your service. They see your love for the saints. And guys, that's a great reward. Don't take that lightly. Don't take that lightly. When you serve well and the people see your love and your service for the congregation, there's a good standing that comes with it and you acquire that for yourself. And then the next promise. And you also achieve for yourself a great confidence in the faith. In other words, a, a great boldness. You see the fruit of God working in your life. You see that uh, Jesus said, if you want to become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what do you got to do here? You got to become the least. And so as you serve well as a deacon and you see that evidence in your life, 
it ought to give you great boldness. It ought to give you great confidence in the faith. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been a Christian for a while now, and I love those times when I'm standing in great boldness and confidence in my faith. And I hate those times when I'm not. And if I'm not, it's because I'm not serving well. It's because I'm not following Him the way that I should. And so I want to tell you, there are two great rewards that come from God and from the congregation of the people you serve. You are highly respected and lifted up to an elevated platform because you have lowered yourself to the least of these. And you have great boldness, great confidence in the faith. And as far as in this life, I don't think a Christian can receive a better reward. So I pray that you serve well as deacons. Thank y'all. I love you so much. Now we send you out. Go do what you do. Guys, thank y'all. Amen. Yes. All right, y'all got to come back. Hey. We got frames out there for what? Here, y'all get right here. I'll have to get on the top step because of Nathan. <laughs> all right, all the rest of the ordained men that prayed over them, y'all come up here. Gather around them. And as they're coming, I want to encourage and invite all of you to come out and just honor these guys with us. We have, a, um, we have some refreshments and some finger foods out here. And just, uh, just come by and congratulate them for the ministry that God has called them into. And just let them know that you're praying for them and that, you are, um, uh, that you're just thankful for their servant hearts. Hey, and uh, one of the things we used to do, if you would like to take that uh, certificate that you've got and you'd like to turn it over on the back and let these other guys sign it as witnesses to it. Oh, there's room at the bottom for it. Okay, so if you would like for the rest of the guys to sign it along these places right here, wherever they want to sign it, I mean, that's up to you, but that's something that we did uh, that, that, that was done for me, and it may be something that's memorable for you too, just to know who was here and who, who was to take part of that. All right. Well, thank y'all again so much. We're going to close in a word of prayer one more time. And then again, I'd ask you to stay and just have a time of celebration with us, please. Yeah, that's what I just told them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for these men. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for their servant hearts. Father, it is just my prayer, God, that, um, Lord, they would understand the significance of what you have called them to. Uh, Father, I know that we have, um, we have made these roles very insignificant today. But, Father, they were, they were um, noble roles. Lord, they were highly regarded when you put them in place. And, Father, I pray, God, that you would help us, Father, to, uh, to at least serve in that way. Father, I pray, God, that we would take seriously what you have called us to do, and I pray that you would help these guys to do that as well. Father, I thank you for all of the people that are here to, um, to just witness this and to uh, celebrate with us. And Father, I just pray, God, that um, you would just bless the food that you've prepared for us, that we would be able to use it for this time of celebration, for this time of honoring the ones that you have called, the ones that you have gifted. Father, we love you. Thank you for everything you do for us, God. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.